welcome once again to the Global Gale podcast, my friends. My name is Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my home in Stockholm in Sweden. And you are listening to the podcast for the 70-odd million, give or take, uh, people of Irish extraction, born in Ireland, raised in Ireland, of Irish parentage, of Irish heritage, for all those people around the world. It comes out about once a week. And every week we bring up a subject that is of interest to the global Irish diaspora. And there's probably only one thing on most people's minds right now, and that is the Rugby World Cup. Uh, with me today is Alan Quinlan, a fantastic rugby player in his day, played many, many times for Ireland, a Heineken Cup winner, uh, a World Cup try scorer, and just a general all Around, magnificent fellow with some great stories and brilliant insight and we're going to be bringing you to that very soon if you are listening to this podcast for the first time because of Alan and the Rugby World Cup go back over the old episodes as well there's loads of great artists athletes business people innovators all sorts of people there that you might enjoy listening to and if you want to we're trying to grow this podcast of course you can support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm the podcast feed is called our man in Stockholm because that's how it started out but I do this podcast for the global community I do a podcast for the Irish community in Sweden I do one about Premier League footballers from Sweden who play there and I do one called Arrow Man in Stockholm which covers things like media and politics right uh, the World Cup is getting underway this Saturday this podcast by the way comes out kind of once a week for the most part once a week and I'm changing it around now it used to come out on a Saturday morning but I'm going to change it now to sort of midweek so it doesn't clash with some of the other stuff that I'm doing uh, and first out to give you a good chance to, to listen to this and to digest it before Ireland take on Romania in their opening game is this chat with Anna, Alan Quinlan. Uh, I'm really uh, indebted to my good friend Anthony Morrissey of AMSC Consulting. Uh, Anthony lives in Gothenburg in Sweden. I got to know him when he moved here. Uh, an absolutely brilliant fellow altogether. Has set up a business helping uh, sports bodies, teams, clubs, associations, media outlets, whoever it is, who need to brand themselves, who need to build their brand. Uh, get in touch with Anthony. AMSC is the name of his company and you'll find him in my mentions on Twitter or on LinkedIn and he helps me with marketing these podcasts as well. But he was the one who suggested that Quinny would be a great man to talk to and you know what? He wasn't wrong. So I spoke to him yesterday and here is the podcast now previewing Ireland at the Rugby World Cup starting with the question can we really finally at long last can we win it all lads? Can we? As we were saying, who better to bring us through this World Cup than Alan Quinlan? Alan, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. And we'll start with the big question. Can we believe the hype? Is it finally time for Ireland at the Rugby World Cup? Um, yeah, it's great to be on, Philip. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, uh, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one. Lots of people are asking, um, you know, how Ireland will do. And it's a hard, it's a hard kind of question to answer given the 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 side of the draw that Ireland are on, uh, it's really difficult. You know, France being the home nation are are, are favourites for the tournament. Um, South Africa, so powerful. They're in the group as well, in Ireland's group. Um, and Scotland are in that group. France, of course, are the home nation. And, you know, if Ireland make it out of the group, um, either in first or second, which is going to be quite difficult, um, they'll either play France or, or New Zealand in a quarter final, which is a pretty daunting task. So, um, you know, going back to the question when that people ask, you know, how are, how will Ireland do? Uh, I'd be very hopeful, uh, but no matter how well the preparations have gone, um, 
how good we've been in the last two years, uh, it's still going to be really a difficult situation. I think they've got to deal with a lot of pressure and expectation and disappointments from previous World Cups. You know, it's it's well documented. Ireland have never been beyond the, the quarterfinals. And um, we probably go into this tournament with the best team that we've ever had, I think. Um, and the recent results have shown that, you know, being in New Zealand, winning a series last year, Grand Slam this this um you know this uh, in in the spring you know last November the results against South Africa Australia were very good as well so they're on a 13 game unbeaten run uh, you know they've been winning a lot and a lot of hype around the team so um it's a really difficult one I think they they they've got to try and you know take it step by step really and and hope that they get a little bit of luck if they get if they get to the quarterfinals that you know they've a, a fit and healthy squad um ready to play uh, an incredibly difficult match um but we don't know yet because um i think the scots are probably watching and listening to every podcast or every piece of media that the irish public have been doing the last two years to try and get some motivation because i think they're still yeah they're definitely going to have a big say in the group but um, for Ireland, it's a little bit of a, with respect, um, more relaxing start. Um, they've got Romania first up, uh, then Tonga, and then, you know, Tonga is going to be difficult. You know, they have five or six former New Zealand players as well. So um, I don't think Ireland will, will underestimate anyone, but, you know, a lot of experience in the squad, people who've been there before and had disappointments. But I do believe that, you know, mentally and, and physically, they're in a good place. Um, rugby has never been more popular it has also never been more complicated when I started watching the game as a young fella it was basically pick the 15 biggest lads put them out there but now there's all sorts of there's set plays there's handbooks there's video briefings almost down to each position you're told what you're expected to do at, at any particular time how much how demanding is that mentally Alan you've been to the World Cup you've played in these games under these circumstances how hard is it to maintain that concentration for, for, for seven weeks essentially for a now. Well, it's top level sport, Philip. And I think for any, you know, whether you're an individual sports person or part of a team, um, it's it's just the way it's it's moved on to a level where no stone is left unturned. Um, you look at every facet of, of the game and you try and obviously build on your strengths, but but be aware and conscious of your weaknesses and try and make them better and become uh, the goal is to be as good as you can be. And um, I think that that's what this Irish team have shown that right across the board, they've they've got some world-class players. Um, they also have, um, you know, they're very, very skillful and, and very, very balanced in what they do. Uh, and the game has changed a lot in the last number of years. You know, if even when I go back to when I started playing, um, you know, we probably would have been introduced to the first time ever in rugby union defensive coaches coming from rugby league now every single team has a defensive coach every single team has a nutritionist skills coach kicking coach scrum coach lineout coach um all specialized positions because there's so many um you know so many facets of of, of rugby union and um all those parts of the game can make a big difference to whether you can compete at the top level or not so um of course it's very popular and it is demanding but it's enjoyable as well i think the one thing that i would say is um and i always remember john hayes my former teammate who 
he went on to have a magnificent career with Ireland, British and Irish Lions and Munster. Um, when we retired around the same time, John would say to me, well, I kind of miss, I miss the games, but I don't miss the meetings about meetings about meetings. Um, so that's just part of the game. And and the younger players don't really know what it was like before, how, you know, maybe it wasn't as professional and every kind of piece of the, the game was analysed and scrutinised so much, but it's just a modern game. So I'm sure they love it. Um, Andy Farrell has created a really good environment. Um, players seem to be very, very happy and and enjoying what they're doing and the performances are telling on the field. So uh, going back to the question, I think, look, for every sports person in, in modern day sport, individually or collectively, there's it's all about video analysis. It's all about, you know, getting better, uh, working on parts of your game that you need to improve and and never forgetting really your individual talents that got you there in the first place. So um, it is demanding, but um, and rugby is very attritional. I think it's physical. It can change in a flash. Um, you know, there's lots of people I would have trained with and would have been involved in Munster and Irish squads over the years who didn't go on to have stellar inter- international careers and make a living out of the game and, and make some good money out of it. So it's kind of cutthroat and that's professional sport. Um, but it's still very enjoyable as well. And when you get to represent your country like this current group are going to a World Cup, um, it's about getting the balance right of their preparation um, the nutrition stuff. We had issues around the nutrition in 2007 in Bordeaux at that World Cup. It was well documented. Um, we had to bring a chef in after a week or two just to kind of prepare the food and meals. And it's not that you're um, you're in a position where rugby players are looking for any sort of a special diet, but it's just the quantities and the type of food that you need at that level um to get the right nutrition and stuff and that wasn't accommodated for or, or sorted um when we got to the hotel but you know the current group um i think the past mistakes would certainly help this group in their preparation and um you know it's it's a, a very rewarding place to be if you're in the world cup with, with your national side but of course it's been lots of disappointments for ireland um like i said they'll be very mindful of that um, this current group, and also mindful of the fact that they're world number one. So there's added pressure. We've never been beyond the quarterfinal. Mm-hmm. And that's the intriguing part for me, how they'll deal and deal with that. I'm sure they won't shy away from the fact. Um, and they would love to be there for, for the full seven weeks. You know, mm-hmm. I always think back to, to South Africa in 2019. They were the first team in Japan. They were probably away from their families and away from home for over two months. Um, and you've got to make those sacrifices. It's very difficult. Lots of players and all the national teams will be leaving their partners, wives, um, young kids at home and leaving. And, and that's, that's difficult. You're going away playing for a cause and representing your country, but ultimately it's all worth it. If you can get the best out of yourself and, and be successful, you know, there's 48 teams, only one team is going to win it. Um, so sorry, not 48 teams, it's 48 matches. Um, and one team is going to come out on top in the end and, and have that joy and, and euphoria of, of being the champion. So South Africa did that in 2019. You saw the reaction they got when, when they came home with a trophy. And I think in Ireland, um, there's 
we shouldn't we shouldn't kind of be afraid to to mention what would possibly happen here and the reaction and the effect it would have on the country. But it's a mammoth task. And as I said, you know, South Africa, France, New Zealand, they're probably um, slight favourites ahead of Ireland. Um, so the world ranking doesn't really count for much. It, yeah. it 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 probably brings a little bit of pressure. But Ireland are right up there. There's probably four teams that everybody's picking, saying that one of those four will win it, and Ireland are one of those teams. Mm. It is. It's, it's a nice position to be in. I go back to the time when the likes of Simon Gagan were playing, was playing, and you know he was a brilliant rugby player. But we didn't really have the, the team around him. Now we have a whole squad of fellas of that level of skill and physique and talent and that. But just one question I want to ask you because all this preparation, all these meetings, the conference rooms are nearly as important as the hotel rooms when you go into this camp now and you go into this tournament. But as Mike Tyson famously said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. How much is it on you? as a player uh, to react to the game or do you sort of are you receiving instructions all the time on the field from your captain from uh, the coaches to say oh you need to be doing this Alan you need to be doing that you need to be doing this at the breakdown well it goes back to Philip what what, what we were speaking about a minute ago and that the preparation and the analysis of the opposition and trying to know what they can do you can't cover every avenue and and sometimes individual talent or form on the day can a team can do something special somebody can make a mistake um, but all you can do is try and control yourself so it does come down to the analysis of of um of how you prepare and and the type of game plan you're going to implement um and it's lots of people use that term for terminology from mike tyson everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face there's a lot of these Irish players have been punched in the face. You know, they were there for incredible that, you know, was incredibly disappointed in 2019. Just look at someone like Johnny Sexton. Um, he's getting one last shot at this. You know, he'll, he'll not play rugby again after this tournament. So he's had obviously great joy and success in recent times. And, you know, I was down in New Zealand to see how excited and the achievement was incredible winning that series last summer. And I was envious. I was saying, God, I wish I was um, that happened to me in my career. So they've had special moments as well. They've won Grand Slams. They've won championships. They've had great joy playing at home. Um, they've, you know, accelerated their their credentials as as sports people in Ireland. And um, they're they're people are very mindful and aware of that. But there's big emotional kind of roller coaster with in any sport as well. So. You know, it can it can it can go pear shaped as well. But mm. as I said, um, with this group, they have a nice blend of experience. There was sixteen of these guys of the squad who were in Japan. There's a nice blend of kind of youthful exuberance of people who haven't played at a World Cup. So you can essentially think that they don't have that baggage. Sometimes the baggage can be good because it means you have been punched in the face and you have had disappointments. Uh, but sometimes then you know you. You bring players uh, and, and sports people just kind of go, well, I don't want to look back at that and I didn't experience it. I just want to control what I can now and, and bring my talents and stuff. So it's about getting that blend right. Andy Farrell has done a, a remarkable job. Um, as, as, as the coaches with him have, you know, Paul O'Connell, obviously a former teammate, is an incredible He's incredibly diligent in the game of rugby. He's very passionate. He's very um, demanding in, in a good way. A lot of the players have spoken about the impact he's had on their game. 
um, in the last number of years, the Irish players, you know, Simon Easterby's been there a few years as well. John Fogarty, you know, Mike Cat. Um, there's there's a really good group of coaches there. And if we remember back, you know, unfortunately, it kind of ended disappointingly for Joe Schmidt, mm. who had achieved incredible things in Irish rugby. You know, it just came to a point where we probably were gone so far with a with the game plan that Ireland were playing that it was probably 2019. It was too late to change. And it was a shame because Jordan achieved incredible things. And I felt really sorry for him and, and um, the way that World Cup, Cup ended in disappointment. But Andy Farrell, you know, he takes over after the World Cup. Big boots to fill because Joe had great success with the team. Uh, Mike Cat and for 18 months, you know, there's question marks. The team haven't found that spark and they're, you know, a lot of wondering, is it, is it the right, was he the right choice? Are we going in the right direction? Where's the change? And I think probably after about 18 months, um, you know, Ireland played Twick, uh, England in, in, in Dublin. England were going for a Grand Slam and Ireland, you know, beat them and we saw a real spark and attack. And I think from that point onwards, um, you know, they've lost a couple of games for sure, but very few. Um, they've been at a very high level and and unbelievably competitive and and playing a brilliant brand of rugby. So any of the players that have come into the system then seem to fit in and and add to it. So very settled group. Um, and as I said, lots of 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 new players who haven't been at a World Cup. And um, it, it's just going to be really interesting. Um, you know, it's. Saying this is the best group ever is is it's probably a fair reflection, but you know I just hope they can bring the form, the quality that we know they possess to the World Cup and and deal with the ups and downs, and then they can, you know, they, you you need a little bit of luck, you need a few breaks here and there, particularly around the injuries, and um, I think it's incredibly exciting for them, and um, I'm sure. Um, 2007, we won't be talking about the same thing again, where we started poorly against Namibia. Georgia possibly should have beaten us, could have beaten us anyway. Then we lost to France and Argentina and we're home after the group stages. I think, um, you know, this this group, these group of players are, 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 you know, they're in a really good position. And I believe that even if they don't win it or don't progress, I think it's going to take a, a good, really good performance from the opposition to beat them. And uh, I don't believe we're going to be questioning why they didn't kind of go for it. And, um, you know, so sport can be cruel sometimes, Philip, but um, without getting carried away, they're they're in probably in the best shape ever. Um, that doesn't guarantee them anything because unfortunately the side of the group is just crazy. And the two teams I would probably slightly put ahead of Ireland at the moment are France because of the home advantage and the quality they have, but and also South Africa, given what they did against New Zealand and Twickenham a few weeks ago and the depth that they have. Mm, they're a fairly frightening looking side, South Africa, all right. But having said that now, you think that this Irish team can do pretty much, you know, they can they can hold their own against anybody in the world. I wanted to ask you, Alan, because you're away from home from so long, right? So it's for so long during these tournaments, it's very important that the social team works, that the group works. Who was the best crack in the Irish squad when, when you were playing international rugby? Who did you get the most fun out of? Who kept things light and kept the laughter going? Um... Yeah, many many players. I think that when, when it's something that 
you know, when I think about it, I always think about, you know, Dunica O'Callaghan. He was a, a prankster, Frankie Sheehan, um, Guy Easterby, who's now the Leinster manager, you know, would have been organizing different events uh, over the years. Um, we we always kind of had a social side. And, you know, when you'd go away and tour, there'd be a couple of guys picked by the more senior players to be on the social committee and they would organize different events. So for, for this group of players now in France, I think even today, um, I was reading somewhere there that they I think they have a day off today on the Wednesday and the uh, or on the Tuesday. They have a day off anyone anyway, and you'd probably play, train two days a day a down day and then kind of prepare towards the weekend in any given week. Uh, that some of them are gone, they're gone playing golf, some are gone, you know, sightseeing and some might be gone to the beach or whatever. So You'd always have um, events organised. You'd put them up on the team in, in the team room, different op- options for people, and and that's a really important part of it. There could be board games, there could be quizzes at night, there could be, you know, um, certain events organised where you bring people together and have a little bit of fun, um, and that is really an important part of it. It's always happened in my time when we go on tour, summer tours, or going to a World Cup like this. Um, and it's it's no rocket science. Every team probably it's the probably downtime and being in a hotel for for that long that period of time and being away from home that you try and build a bit of team spirit and have have some fun and and some get-togethers that people kind of come out of their shell a little bit. Um, they certainly won't be going kind of you know having drinks during the week or anything like that. That's that's not going to be the case here. But it's social stuff like a game of golf or going to the cinema or going you know having quizzes in the hotel or stuff like that. Sounds quite boring, but it's a bit of crack and people participate. Um, and then maybe if they you know after their first game they might have a couple of beers back in the team hotel or or go out. But it'd be very calm. I suspect it'll be very calm. As regards any sort of socializing for you know until you progress on in the tournament um and even at that you know i think ireland have two weeks off after they play the south africa game so it could well be that they might go for a few beers on the sunday with the with the the whole squad a bit of a get together um maybe they'll have the families over there stuff like that all those things are really important and you know, we did it in France in 2007. We probably were in a bit of a rut. Um, in the third game, we went up to Paris and lost against France. And on the Sunday, we ended up having a few beers together. And it gave us a little bit of a lift as regards, you know, putting things in perspective. And it's not the end of the world, you know. Um, that's just life, isn't it? You know, it's mm-hmm. not life or death. Um, but it's incredibly important. And, and it's really, really important, that social side of it as well. And... You know, you might have um, somebody who takes the mic and the bus going to training, back from training and calling up singers and stuff like that. And you'd have a little fines committee mm-hmm. for people who might have the wrong T-shirt on or late for training or whatever the case may be. or um, And all those things and little games help um, have a little bit of fun and crack uh, amongst the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned, of course, Donico Callahan, who's a world famous practical joker. Did he ever do anything in your time, Alan, that somebody sort of uh, got annoyed with him over? I wanted to give him a dig over. Not really. I think um, no. He was just a practical joker, and it was never it was never anything that was of offended anybody or kind of put anybody out. I think um, 
you know, if we were having drinks, you know, Donica would dress up as somebody else or dress up as Santa Claus or dress up as a woman or dress up as, I don't know, um, he could do anything. Um, one time we were away, this wasn't with Ireland, we were with, we were in, um, we were away with Munster and one of the pre-season kind of get-togethers in Brafie House in, in, in Mayo and um, there was a team meeting going on with the backs, the forwards had just finished, so there was a team meeting and he got some, there was a, um, some ducks outside the door of the hotel uh, or the team room and he kind of got some bread and started throwing breadcrumbs and walked the ducks into the team meeting of the backs and so on. it's all very uh um small simple funny things like that um Dunnigan never took a drink so he was never never uh never out in a night out and drunk and uh doing any kind of messing around that he was usually minding people actually getting them to go home himself and stringer never took a drink so they were usually the ones that that made sure we all got into taxis and got home safe and sound and and were up for meetings and stuff in the morning. So nothing that ever offended anyone anyway. You were a lucky man to play so much of your career alongside those two boys because they could look after you. Um, what do Ireland have to do well on the field? For people who don't watch rugby on the analytical level that you do, what should they be watching out for when they play against Romania and Scotland and South Africa? Um, it's a little bit different. Uh, obviously, the 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 level of opposition you play, I think they just. It's very important, and it sounds very obvious that they don't underestimate Romania or Tonga in any way. Um, I don't think they will. I just don't think it's in Andy Farrell to allow his team to kind of go in with a relaxed attitude and say, "Well, we're going to build a big score here." You know, in two thousand three. Um, I played against Romania and Namibia in the first two games. And, you know, we were pretty determined to start well. We had a good win against Romania. Um, good scoreline. Uh, same against Namibia. And we started that tournament really well. Um, then we had Argentina in the third game. We beat them, which was such a crunch game. And then barely lost Australia, which put us in the quarterfinals against France. And then that was disappointing. So, um I just think back to 2003 and 2007 that's you know you want to try and build a little bit of momentum um they're not going to show their full hand against romania and tonga mm. with respect i think it gets harder as the tournament goes on and i'd be very mindful and concerned that you'd kind of drop your standards on a little bit and it might be only a couple of percent and a couple of players that they think well we're a really good team and this will happen automatically well, then Tonga could really give you a serious kind of game and a serious scare and 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 possibly beat you. So I think they'll be very mindful of that and they won't allow any of that sort of um, kind of uh, so mental, complacency. mental complacency set in. So And again, it'll be driven by the senior players. So what they need to do is just kind of build slowly, get a little bit of cohesion in the team, um, there's loads of evidence um, of what they can do in attack. Um, and rugby's have kind of, I wouldn't say we spoke at the start about the way it's changed and there's so many kind of facets to the game, but the simplicity of it, of it will never change. You've got to you know, be physical. Um, you've got to get your scrum and line out right. And, and the breakdown is really crucial. And it's been crucial to Ireland for a couple of years. If they get good kind of return on their own ball and they can really kind of impose themselves. So I think the simple things they need to, to be done well, 
every team will probably say the same and, and no, nothing has changed in my time since I played um, to the game now that if your scrum and line out are under pressure, well, it's very difficult to win that game, uh, particularly when you're playing against someone who's who's a serious opponent. Um, if your breakdown is struggling, again, same applies. So I think they've got to build on what they've shown and, and really do the simple things well in the game, uh, but also be able to kind of tough it out. Um, and in, by me saying that, I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter in on some occasions how you play as long as you get the result. It's cup rugby, you know, you've got to maneuver your way. And I think back to 2019 and that semi-final, South Africa were, you know, stuttered a fair bit. Wales gave them a serious fright. Um, they won the game by a small margin, but then in the final, they changed gears and they brought a, a you know, 10 out of 10 performance. So, um, Ireland have just got to get the job done as best they can for each game, and 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 really kind of, I do think they'll probably have some parts, some things held back. Um, we've seen many times in the last number of years these kind of exceptional strike plays, um, but if their set piece is good, I believe they have the quality, and even with the opposition being able to analyse Ireland a lot, I think their timing and their skill set is really good. And their cohesion in attack is superb, you know, and and they've shown that. So, um, if you're the opposition trying to stop Ireland, well, you go after their set piece and you you try and unsettle them at at source, if you like. So, I think that's the area where Ireland need, really need to to focus on and um, not be afraid to kick the ball a little bit as well, because we probably overkicked in 2019 leading into that, and we were. You know, relied on kick retention, uh, kick for territory, uh, forcing the opposition into make, make mistakes. And like I said about the cup rugby thing, sometimes we just got to be a little bit pragmatic. Um, they're an incredible side to watch because Ireland attack and they kind of can attack from anywhere and they're brave to do that. And it has to be applauded. Maybe we'll need to see a little bit of just keeping it simple, doing the simple things well a mixture of that in, in certain moments in certain games. Is there one player on that you would pick out and say, if this player plays well, Ireland are going to play well, Mac Hansen, Johnny Sexton, is there one key player there or is this going to be a responsibility that's going to go through the whole squad that everybody has to contribute if Ireland are going to do well? The the thing about this Irish side, Philip, and it's probably, I won't be accused of any sort of bias in this because the ones I'm going to pick out are Leinster players who um, are world-class. You know, they're world-class. Like, Tyke Furlong has been at the top of his game for a number of years. I think he's absolutely vital to the team. We saw Finley Bealham coming into Six Nations and do a really good job. So there's comfort in knowing that he can do that. Tom O'Toole played really well when he was involved too. But I just think a fit and raring to go Tyg Furlong is really vital to this Irish side. I just think, and you know what, he has a that aggression, that energy, and it's difficult to kind of have a high emotional pitch every time you play, but this is it. This is the real deal. This is the top table, and, and he's delivered regularly at the, at the top table, and I believe he's really vital to this Irish side. There's a number of players you could pick. Like Dan Sheehan as a hooker is, you know, exceptional. He can do special things. Um, 
Kalen Doris for me is the best number eight in the world. Um, when he plays well, he can come up with not not just not 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 from the attacking side because we know that's exceptional, but I just love the fact that he can come up with big turnovers, big moments to to help his team. Um, you know, Josh van der Fleer was World Player of the Year last year. You can just go on and on and on, but if I'm going to pick one, you know, you could go to Hugo Keenan at full back as well. Mm. He's been t- top class for a number of years in his position, and we haven't seen too many other players go into that full back position. So I think he's pretty vital as well. There's about six, seven, eight of these guys who are really crucial, and and they're at the top. They have been at the top of their game. Let's hope that they can find that and that continues at the World Cup. Like Peter O'Mahony, I have to mention him. His presence, his line-out ability, his experience, um, the way he played all of last season, his involvements with the ball um, have improved dramatically. So I think he's 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 been exceptional for the team. Um, James Ryan has come back into brilliant form the last couple of seasons, you know. But I think if you're going to pick one, it's Sexton for me. It's Johnny Sexton. Um, can we cope without him? Well, we've 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 seen that we have done, but it's not exactly the same. And um, we're going to have to cope when he finishes after this world. Jack Crowley and Ross Byrne. Um, I think the level has increased from both those players, which is really encouraging to see. But I just saw Sexton last year in 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 New Zealand, and I saw. I just saw that real desire, that that passion, that quality up close, you know, um, a real determination. And I think, you know, he hasn't played in a while. Um, he will be targeted. People will run at him. They'll try and get at him. They'll try and unsettle him. He's probably got to be careful after his suspension. Um, there's no doubt about that, how he deals with referees. Um so yeah, if I was picking one, I think I I think if we're gonna do something special at this World Cup, it it will it will involve a fit and playing well, Johnny Sexton, um, being to the forefront. I'm just thinking of Leo Messi going to the last soccer World Cup, and I'm putting Sexton up on that pedestal now. I'm going, if you're gonna do it, this is the last chance you have. Finally, one last question for you, Alan. Obviously, you are going to be involved in this World Cup on the media front. Who are you working for? Where can people see you? Where can yeah, you I'm with uh, I'm with Virgin Media. I'm do I'm going to be doing a lot of commentary, um, co-commentary in studio for some of the games, the um, non-Ireland games. But we do we sh- we're sharing with RTE Virgin Media, so all 48 games are free to air here in Ireland, which is great. Mm. Um, every game you can watch on RTE or on Virgin. Um, so I'm going to do a lot of co-commentary, some studio. Um, I'm also going to be doing some coverage for and reports for off the ball as well and news talk. So, yeah, it's really brilliant. It's I've been, I've played at three World Cups and I've I've worked now with. Uh, this is going to be my fourth one uh, covering as uh, covering the 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 World Cup. So, it's just brilliant. It's a special moment for players and it's a really exciting time. And you know. I'm, I can't wait for it to start. You know, it starts on, on Friday night with with France and New Zealand. What a what a cracker of a game to start off with! Um, it's going to be an incredible game. We'll we'll know possibly um, who's going to finish second in that group. Then, most probably, given whoever wins that, 
it won't change anything for Ireland. It's one other thing people have asked, would you prefer to play New Zealand or France in a quarterfinal? It's a, it's a kind of a crazy situation. Um, it's a legitimate question. Again, the Scots will, 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 will be, the ears will be cocked to say, what, what, are, the, what are these Irish fellas saying now? Um, I really think Scotland are going to be dangerous. I really think that Ireland, you know, in that last game, they're really going to have to earn it against Scotland. Um, they're a very dangerous side, and they showed us, you know, with the game recently against France in France with a full, fairly nearly full strength French team, how dangerous they can be. So you can't write them off. But Ireland have just got to take it one game at a time. And I think we'll probably see, um, you know, maybe a mix and match against Romania and Tonga, and then, you know, your full strength as best you can against South Africa and, 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 and Scotland and try to win all four games and see where that takes you. Will it work out? Who knows? Um, I can assure you, I'm not, I wouldn't be getting cocky and thinking, God, oh, Ireland are going to win this. I just, I'm very mindful of, it's a crazy side of the draw. The top five teams are on one side. There's an easier path on the other side. Um, but, you know, maybe... Maybe there is no room for complacency here with Ireland, and that if they get to a quarter final, it's not an easier quarter final. You know, historically there's there's been some of those that we still haven't won, uh, but they've got to be on their game here. And um, it's interesting because the preparation, the build up, how all that's gone is going to dictate how you play here. And and let's hope that Ireland have got it right because. You know, they have a wonderful crop of players, but they'll need some luck, Philip. Uh, we've seen, you know, a couple of high-profile uh, French players, um, Willemse, Intimac, gone, Keane Healy for Ireland. He's going to be a big loss. So, you know, you need a little bit of luck in the injury front as well. And and in a tight game, small margins will, 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 will win those games. So hopefully Ireland on the right side of it. But I'm confident they'll they'll give it a really good shot anyway. One very final question, because you alluded to it there at the start of the conversation. You said you weren't afraid to think a little bit about what might happen if Ireland were to win the whole thing. What would it mean, Alan, if after all these years, all the highs, all the lows, never getting past the quarterfinal, if we won the Webb Ellis Trophy? Well, me starting my career, I'd be incredibly nervous to even, you know, contemplate that if I was a player or even a fan, that that we could go and do something like that. But, you know, you've got to embrace... Um, and not be afraid to talk about the possibilities as well and what you expect to yourself. I think this Irish team will expect high-class performances and they'll put pressure on themselves. And that's not being cocky. That's not being, um, you know, uh, getting carried away with yourself. Look, if it happened, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be incredible. It'd be incredible. It'd be, um, you know, be a wonderful thing for Ireland. Um, it was disappointing that we didn't get the World Cup here in, in, in Ireland, this this World Cup. I think it would have been amazing. I think the reception, it's, it's you kind of dare to dream a little bit what kind of a reception it would be like. But um, as Irish people, you know, we don't want to go down that road. I don't want to kind of start kind of tempting fate and going, God, this would be incredible. But you know what it would be like yourself, Philip. It would be phenomenal if it happened for a small country. And, you know, South Africa are a powerhouse in rugby. And, you know, imagine if it happened to us, you know, a small nation, um, small group of players, um, if they were to, you know, be be in that incredible position. But 
I think if they can get past the quarterfinal, it's and anything after that is a bonus because we've never been there. So I'm sure they'll do the country proud as well and they'll give it. I don't think they're going to die with their boots on. You know, they're going to they're 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 going to um they're going to give it everything. And I think they'll be. I'm confident that uh, they can cause a few problems here for, for the big teams when they meet them. I get the feeling you're holding back your optimism just a little bit there, Alan, but imagine what it No, I am not. I'm not, Philip. I'm very optimistic, but I'm I'm a realist as well. And it's the mm. same as the players. You can't just going to say, like, it'd be crazy to say Ireland are going to win a World Cup. Mm. They're good enough based on what we've seen in the last 18 months. But it's we've never been there before. So it's the reason we're not favourites. And, and I think they'll know that. Um, they'll know their capabilities. I think anybody who knows rugby knows that situation as well. So, um, yeah, that's the reality. It's just incredibly difficult side of the draw. And if we were on the other side of the draw, maybe there'd be lots of pundits, not just from Ireland, but from outside of Ireland saying, well, Ireland have an easier path here. And on paper, they should sail through the side of the group and be in a semi-final. Um, but it's just, you know, South Africa kind of, what they did a couple of weeks ago against New Zealand, uh, what France are capable of, the home crowds, um, New Zealand, they showed us during the rugby championship. And that's that's the reality. So people, you know, I think I think people are talking up Ireland outside outside of Ireland as well, but deep down I think they're they're you know they're still looking for they just don't think Ireland can do it. So we'll wait and see. It's it's a big task and maybe they'll go somewhere uh, beyond the quarterfinals we've never been and I think if they go to that position get that monkey off their back well then I'm not sure many teams will fancy playing Ireland in the semi-final if it gets to that stage but who knows um, it's very difficult to win trophies Philip you know with club level or anything in, in you know no matter how good you are how well you're going you've got to you've got to get it right on the day and um that's what they've got to do um, over a seven-week period, and hopefully they'll see see it out till the end and 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 continue and progress in the tournament. If they don't, I don't think they owe us. They don't. They don't owe us anything because you know they've achieved incredible things in the last few years. But I just think it'd be lovely for the players themselves, this current group, and really really good for Irish rugby if they if they were to progress uh, and um, and challenge for the trophy. And at this stage, I cannot wait for it to start. Thanks so much for your time. And we might check in with you again at some point during the Rugby World Cup. But for now, thanks very much for joining me. My pleasure, Philip. Thank you. Playing great rugby, Mendes. That's Alvarez again, but it wasn't great ball. And now here's Keith Wood. Keith Wood rampaging forward. He's got support from Quinlan. Quinlan's five metres short. And Quinlan gets there for Ireland. Well, it's an effervescent Emerald Ocean here in there you go that was alan quinlan scoring a try against argentina at the rugby world cup and alan actually 
dislocated his shoulder scoring that try against Argentina so that was the last uh, his last action in that game and the pain on his face as he takes off his scrum cap and just to see you know the effort that these guys go through and the way they put their bodies on the line representing Ireland is absolutely incredible and I'd actually forgotten how fast Keith Wood was for a big man in the front row there he could really shift it uh, when he had the chance and Alan was no slouch himself really enjoyed that chat with him there if you enjoyed it as much as I did and I don't even think that's possible lads I had such a great time talking to him uh, do please share it amongst our network as I say there's a 70 million Irish diaspora around the globe and this is the podcast for them and you know yourself how hard it is to reach people so we're building a network on the podcast by talking to people that you want to hear from them and indeed if you have any suggestions if you think there's anybody that I should be talking to get in touch lads this podcast it's not a broadcast this is a conversation right so get in touch if you have a story yourself if you know of an Irish person in Canberra or in Cape Town or in Canada or anywhere like that get in touch because we're always looking for people to talk to as i say i hope you enjoy that i will be back again soon there's a great story of an innovator an irish innovator in helsinki finland coming up on next week's podcast and of course you can hear the emails are flying in there already and of course we will be keeping up with what happens in the rugby world cup with more guests in the weeks to come so i'll be back with you again so this time next week in the meantime take care of yourselves take care of one another and i shall talk to you again very very soon indeed Go Ireland, let's get this done.